Welcome to the Spirit of West Texas podcast, where we are having real conversations with people who live and work in West Texas. Our guests this season will talk about their big dreams. They'll share about their challenges and successes that they've had along their journey. Listen in and we hope you'll learn something and maybe even have some fun with us along the way. Hello, Amy. Good afternoon. I know. Hi. It's been, it's, it's an after, it's been a day. Let's put it that way. It feels like it should be five or six o'clock at the moment. Yeah, but, it does. It sure does. Uh, I tell you, we're on season three now and we're talking, we've always been a fan of talking about big dreams and nonprofit is a big part of that. Yes. And this is uh, quite an interesting story and a really unique way of starting up a nonprofit. Do you want to tell our listeners yeah, about our guests? Yeah. So Jared, I'm always excited to visit with our podcast guests, but this one is really, really special. I adore today's guest, Cassie Johnson, executive director and founder of Alstrom Angels. Alstrom Angels is a nonprofit charity dedicated to raising funds for Alstrom syndrome, genetic, and medical research. That is a mouthful. No kidding. <laughs> you're probably scratching your head thinking, what in the world is Alstrom syndrome? And that's okay, because you'll know by the end of this episode and how this heartbreaking diagnosis led Cassie to her big dream and the big impact it will have on our community. So if you're listening to this episode from somewhere in Lubbock, you probably know Cassie and the tremendous work she's done and continues to do in our community. And if not, you're in for a treat. Cassie's is a story of of heartbreak and resilience combined with an abundance of joy, determination, and good old-fashioned hard work. Mm. Cassie embodies all that is the spirit of West Texas, and I cannot wait to share her story with our listeners today. I'm really intrigued by the story. Want to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. Welcome to the podcast studio, Cassie Johnston. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're so excited you're with us, Cassie. Cassie, honestly, is no stranger to First United Bank. She's hang out with us here a lot. But I believe this is your first time in the podcast studio. It is. Pretty sweet, huh? It is. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Yes, we do too. We come in here and just have coffee sometimes and we'll put the headset on and talk. <laughs> just talk to each other. Yeah, it's fun. Everything sounds better in the headset. It does. I like, I like the tone of my voice in this headset. I know. I know. I don't know. Well, Jared, that's all you. That's I don't know that I'm doing anything other than pushing buttons. But. <laughs> well, Cassie, the story of your big dream really starts with your 14-year-old daughter, Bryce, who was diagnosed with Alstrom syndrome in 2012. And I adore Bryce. I mean, she is such a joy and just bigger than life. I don't believe that she's defined by her rare diagnosis. And I know that you don't either. So I want to start this conversation by talking about her and celebrating her um, can you just share a little bit about her and what some of your favorite characteristics are? My favorite characteristic of Bryce, besides the fact that she's so cute, uh, <laughs> I is, agree with that. is her ability to take whatever the situation is and turn it into something positive. I mean, it, it's just this remarkable ability. Sometimes I think I wish I were as positive as Bryce. Um, even with her diagnosis, she's like that, very positive. We were playing Monopoly and she had five, a $5 bill left and she owed me three. So I gave her the two ones back and she said, well, I didn't have any ones. I needed those. Now I have them. I'm like, but you have less money. Like she always finds a way to see something good in whatever the situation is. And I mean, I want to be more like Bryce. Yes, me too. You know, Jared, we've known Bryce for a while. Um, Cassie's been a great friend of the bank for a while. And so she's been coming in since she was little. Yeah. And I think one of the things that has just always inspired me about her is um, that she just sort of doesn't allow some of her disadvantages 
to be disadvantages. She just sort of goes for it. And I think, for example, she has an older sister, beautiful girl, um, exceptional cheerleader, you know, like award-winning cheerleader like her mom. Um, and, you know, I'm to throw that in there. Cassie, Cassie literally at a tech football game at the alumni game, I looked on the field and Cassie was in the air with her leg up. And this was like three years ago. I mean, really. If, if I start impressive. breathing heavy over here, it's because I'm doing lunges and squats. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have I to mean, get back in shape. Yeah. And her also her older daughter, Peyton, definitely got that from her um, and has been a competitive cheerleader with a local competition team here. And I'll be darned if Bryce Johnston didn't somehow manage to get them to start a cheer squad yeah. wow. for her and a few other little girls that, that oh my goodness. you know, yes. it wow. maybe didn't have quite the advantages that some of the other girls had. She just yes. wouldn't let it go. Cassie, tell them about oh that. Oh my goodness. So when Peyton was in, in school, she's in college now and does cheer in college, but when she was in school and on a competitive team, an all-star team, I'll just give a little plug, Ultimate Cheer Lubbock. Um, you know, everywhere I went, Bryce was always there with me. I used to joke that I'm her assistant. Like, I mean, because, you know, she couldn't stay by herself. And so she here we just take her along. Every competition, practices, pick up, drop off, all the stuff. And Bryce kept telling the gym director, I want to cheer. When are you going to make a team for me? I mean, for years. So finally, they said, okay, Bryce, you're going to be so happy. We're starting a special needs cheer team. And she was like, I'm so excited. And they said, so now you can stop asking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she was not going to let up on it. And she loves, loves, loves it. They have a great program over there for our kiddos with special needs. And I mean, you talk about quality of life. I mean, for Bryce you know, her sister excelling at cheer and Bryce, you know, literally being drug along to all of it. And then Bryce having the opportunity to do something that her big sister did. I mean, that really does change the quality of life for these kids. Well, and to be able to, you know, instead of just sitting there thinking, there's no way I could ever do that. She's like determined to find a way to do that. And she mm-hmm. did. And I'll be darn Jared, if she is in a middle school cheerleader right now. Wow. Yes. Seventh and eighth grade, she has been a cheerleader at Lubbock Cooper Middle School out there on the field. Good just for doing her. her That's thing. amazing. I know. Wow. It's incredible. Did I ever tell you the story of her painting pumpkins? No. <laughs> well, Bryce can't see any color. Never has. But she'll tell you her favorite color is green. It's really interesting. But as she would, when she was little, she would fight with me. She'd be like, I want to wear the green dress. I'm like, it's pink. She's like, no, it's green. I'm like, no, it's pink. And finally I was like, fine, it can be green. Whatever. But we, we were painting pumpkins one fall and I had a friend over at the house and, you know, we're out front with all the kids and Bryce has the black paint. She's painting her pumpkin black. And my friend said, Bryce, what's your favorite color to paint with? And she goes, the only one I can see black, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she's so sassy. She is so I sassy. When she was little, she would tell you jokes. She always had a joke. She would, she would tell Mark these jokes and they weren't the greatest jokes, but she would think they were funny. And so she would give you the punchline and then be like, then you would laugh because that was funny, even yeah. if the joke wasn't that funny. Yeah. So anyway, she is just like, there are no words bigger than life. I mean, it, she yes, is, that. she is a joy. So take us back to 2011. Was it, she was diagnosed in 2011? 2012. 2012. Okay. Take us back to that and, yeah. and tell us a little bit about how you 
um, figured out that she had Alstrom syndrome. So Bryce, when Bryce was born, it, it was a normal pregnancy. Um, we didn't know that anything was different with Bryce until she was about five and a half months old. And um, it was a weekend. And, you know, at that age, they're in baby carriers. And I had her in Target. And, you know, you set the baby carrier in the in the shopping cart. And I was pushing her around and kind of talking to her, looking down at the carrier. And I thought I saw something. And I wasn't quite sure what I thought I saw. But I kept talking to her and looking at her. And then I did. I, it, I saw her eyes kind of flicker, almost like they were moving. And at first, I honestly thought, you know how the baby carrier lays in the in the uh, the cart and they're kind of facing up. I really thought it was maybe the reflection of the fluorescent lighting as we you know went through the store. But the more I looked at her, her eyes were actually moving, her eyeballs. And the best way I can describe it is like a bobblehead, how it just kind of goes up and down. And it it scared me because I didn't know what was going on. She was acting normal didn't act in distress or anything. But you know, I called the on-call nurse and we talked, kind of talked through it. And she said, I don't think she's having a seizure, but if anything changes in her demeanor, go to the ER. If not, we need to see you in our office first thing Monday morning. So Monday morning, take her into the pediatrician's office. It's the fastest doctor's appointment I've ever been in. He walked in, took a look at Bryce's eyes, walked out, came back in and said, you need to get to the ophthalmologist's office right now. They're waiting for you. So down the street, we went to the ophthalmologist's office and he did all of his examination on Bryce. And he said, there isn't anything structurally that I can see that would be causing this eye movement. And he said, you know, that type of eye movement is not real common and you need to prepare yourself. It's almost always caused by a brain tumor. And I'm thinking, my five and a half month old little baby. And he says, but we can do brain surgery to remove it. So I it just, you know, and people say like your world stops. It didn't just stop. It like started going in the other direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, fast. It just everything. all Devastating. At once. Mm-hmm. So um, he said, we need to do an MRI to confirm. So we did that. And when he called to go over the results, he said, have to apologize to you. I didn't, I didn't mean to scare you, but I was so sure we were looking at a brain tumor. I was shocked when it wasn't there. And he said, we need to do some more testing to figure out what's causing this. And that started a two and a half year journey for my family when Bryce was five and a half months old of, I mean, she's been to every kind of specialist you can imagine, been scanned on her body, MIBG scan, CT, MRI, x-rays. I mean, everything, spinal tap, all trying to figure out what was happening with Bryce. Through all of that, those two and a half years, we went through nine different diagnoses that we thought we had the answer, only to test and find out, okay, it's not that. Um, You know, doctors were looking every time they'd say, we think, we think Bryce might have this. The first thing they say after that is, do not go home and Google it. Yeah. I mean, as a mom, you, you do it. Um, you know, so I was looking, my family was looking, the doctors were looking. And so, um, it was a Saturday night and I was doing my research, my Google research. (laughs) And I thought, I'm just going to change up like how I'm searching. And I just put in three words. I put in genetic because we thought it was genetic at that time. 
blindness and obesity. Bryce's weight was just, there wasn't even a spot on the growth chart for her weight. It was off, literally off the chart. So I put in those three things and it brought up, you know, several different diseases and some of them we had actually already tested for and ruled out. I got to Alstrom syndrome and my heart sank. It was describing Bryce all the way down to her physical appearance. And I'm reading about Alstrom and thinking it can't be this. It causes everything. Complete blindness, deafness, type 2 diabetes, congestive heart failure, liver, kidney failure. It touches every single organ in the body. And as I'm reading further on, I'm reading how rare it is. Bryce was the 780th child in the world in medical history to be diagnosed. In the world. Yes, in medical history. So I'm thinking, this is ter- This is devastating. And it's so rare. I, I actually, through my head, you know, I thought in my head, I live in Lubbock, Texas. There's no way my daughter has this rare disease. Nobody in Lubbock, Texas I mean, has Alstrom. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> syndrome. it can't be. Like, right. You know, the more that I read about Alstrom, it was as if it was written about Bryce. And when you get to that point, I don't, I don't know if, uh, how you guys feel or listeners about, you know, God, but, you know, they always say God's timing is perfect and there's a reason that two and a half years was terrible and I would never want to go back through it again. But having gone through that and knowing Bryce needed help, but we didn't know how to help her. Had we not gone through that two and a half year journey, I don't think I would have been in the same state of mind, the same place to receive the diagnosis and do something good with it. Um, I you, would, were, you were rock bottom, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you finally, you go through these stages where it's like kind of denial, like, oh, she's fine. It'll be fine. And then worry comes in and you're like, what if she's not fine? You know, you kind of go through these things and after two and a half years, you get to the point that you realize it's almost like you give in to reality. Like, this is happening. Can't deny it anymore. I can't change it. This is actually happening. So once you finally get to that point, I mean, well, what are you going to do? You know, how do we help our daughter? So um, I didn't want to be that weirdo who went into the pediatrician and was like, look what I found online. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whew. so I thought, yeah, I'm just going to see if I can find some more information about this. And the next weekend I was doing my Google research and I came across a chat group for people who either have or have a family member with Alstrom. Well, you couldn't just join the group. You had to apply and be approved. And so I'm filling out the information. And one of the questions was, do you have a child or a family member with Alstrom? And I put no, but I think my three-year-old, she's three at this time. I think my three-year-old daughter might have it. And I listed all the reasons why I thought she might have Alstrom syndrome. Submitted the form. That was Saturday. 6.30 Sunday morning, I have an email in my inbox saying, my name is Jan Marshall. I'm the lead scientist at the Jackson Laboratory in Bar Harbor, Maine. I lead all the research in the world for Alstrom syndrome. You've just listed every symptom we see in our little ones. You've come to the right place. And I cannot even describe the clash of emotion Mm -hmm. because it's devastating. Like this is not the answer. We knew we had to have the answer to help Bryce, but this is not the answer we wanted. But at the same time, We'd struggled for two and a half years to try to find it. So you almost feel like victorious. Yeah. 
but devastated. Yes. I mean, it was just a complete clash. So again, thinking about that two and a half year journey, I know I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys right now had we not gone through that terrible, terrible time. Um, because when we did finally get the diagnosis, you're at a place where it's like acceptance. Okay, this really is happening. Now, what are we going to do about it? That was really how Alstrom Angels became. <laughs> so Cassie, tell me a little bit, like, what did, what did those conversations look like? Because I know there are so many people that this story would probably resonate with. I mean, not Alstrom syndrome, that's very rare and unlikely, but, you know, I can only imagine, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that find themselves in the same situation you were with a child that has a rare disease. Um, I mean, what was it that made you like, okay, I think that we can do this. And how did you start putting the pieces in place to make that happen? Well, honestly, I, I would have never, somebody asked me yesterday, did you ever think you'd be running a nonprofit? No. I mean, my degrees in advertising and marketing, I did I worked at the newspaper in their advertising department, selling ads. I did medical equipment sales. Never in my life did I think I'd be doing this. Um, but, you know, I, I think it all is kind of a progression. Having that first benefit dinner, not even knowing if we'd meet the minimum of guests, you know, to cover. And just that momentum that was built. It really wasn't me or any one person in my family deciding we can do this. It was everybody around kind of rallying and saying, what's next? What can we do to help? I'm a real firm believer that really great, extraordinary things hardly ever happen from just one person. It sure. takes a village. It takes a community. So, I, I mean, I think it was that not relying just on me or just on my family. It was listening to the people who came and said, I want to help. So most every person listening to this episode has been impacted by cancer in some mm -hmm. way. Most every person listening knows someone who suffered from heart disease or heart failure. Brenda and I were just at a luncheon about this very topic just a, a few hours ago, but there is so little research and awareness about Alstrom syndrome. You talked about this just a second ago. So how have you managed to overcome that hurdle and get people to really care about a disease that they may not even have heard of? And that, that right there is not just from a personal perspective, but from a nonprofit perspective, that's, that's the challenge for everyone, no matter what your cause is, animals, education, you have to get people excited about it. You have to get them to believe in what you do and to want to help. Well, I mean, people who know Bryce, I mean, they want to help, but you know, Bryce is the only child in Lubbock that has Alstrom syndrome. We've only had five children known to be diagnosed with Alstrom in the state of Texas. Currently right now, I mean, we don't have anybody in Oklahoma, never have that have had Alstrom syndrome. So it is very rare. And how do we get people who don't know our family or don't know Bryce to come in and be a part of what we're doing. That's the challenge for everyone. And well, maybe this is taking a, a cue from Bryce, but looking at something positive out of this bad diagnosis, um, you know, when you look at everything that Alstrom syndrome causes on its own, blindness, deafness, diabetes, they're not rare at all. I mean, they affect hundreds of thousands of kids and adults. So what if we did something to help other kids and families that only have one part of Alstrom syndrome? And that, that was just kind of an eye-opening moment. You mm. know, it's great what we're doing for our little group of children with Alstrom, but what can we do to help others 
who maybe just have vision impairment or hearing loss. You know, it's we can help others in our community while raising awareness for Alstrom syndrome, while raising funds for research and and do good on both sides, do good for both people. So what was the feedback that you were getting when you started sharing this outside of your Alstrom um, network or your, your Alstrom circle of influence, when you started talking about creating opportunities for other kids that had similar, not diagnosed, what's the word I'm looking for? Disabilities or illnesses. Thank you. Um, what, what were they telling you? What was the feedback you were getting? Well, um, it may be better to kind of give an example. Um, our first event that we did for the community was a beeping Easter egg hunt. And a lot of people don't think about kids who are vision impaired how do they hunt Easter eggs? I mean, if you can't see, they don't. And so we have um, these special eggs that we make and they have a beep, an audible beep. So kids who can't use their eyes to hunt eggs can use their ears. But to take it one step further, we open this up to all kids. Even sighted kids can hunt the beeping eggs. We blindfold them and they get to actually experience what it would be like without their sight. Funny enough, I mean, this event is one of my favorite and it's not a fundraiser. It's completely free that we put on for the community. Um, my Our first year to do it, we were on our way home and had to stop at the grocery store. And I see this little boy and his mom and he's got one of our blindfolds on from the egg hunt. And he's trying to walk around the store and the mom was like, take that off, take it off. And he said, no, I want to see if I can do it. And I thought. I'm making an impact. That's cool. We're making an impact. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to raise awareness, right. but it's something totally different to let them experience it. I mean, that really grows empathy and passion. Right. So well, um, if we need anything anymore in this world right now, I think it's empathy. Yes. That's awesome. Cassie, tell us, I was reading on your website. So now you're, you're just as you were saying, kind of moving beyond the original three pillars of your mission. And you're talking about community transformation. Um, you have a big dream. That you started (laughs) thinking about and started coming to fruition in 2018. Tell us a little bit about that. When Bryce was little, before she had her diagnosis and really before we understood what her vision impairment was, didn't understand how little she could see, I would try to take her to the park and it was very difficult for her to get up on the equipment. She was really fumbling around. There were parts of the equipment where It's just an open drop off, you know, so she could fall off the side. Um, She was stressed. And then if the wind was blowing, she was completely disoriented. She was crying. I would be crying. In her defense, the wind is blowing today. Yeah. And I'm pretty disoriented (laughs) and distressed. I mean, can you imagine not being able to see? I mean, no wonder she was crying. Um, But I remember the last time I took her to the traditional outside park and uh, She was crying. I was crying. We got in the car and I said, we're never coming back to the park again. And I thought there should be a place for kids like Bryce. Absolutely. A place where the environment is calm and consistent and the equipment is safe and made for them to be able to get around on. You know, there should be an indoor park. You know, I thought, what if we do this? What if we build this? Alstrom Angels builds it. And the revenue that it generates can help us fund research for Alstrom syndrome. It can help us help other organizations in our community that help blind children. What if we can make this happen? Let's make it with our special kiddos in mind, but open for every child, every family, anyone who wants to come in. So we have been, I guess really kind of in 2018 is when we 
really started our capital campaign. It's taken us a little while to get there. It's over $6 million that we had to raise, but we are within our final 400000 Awesome. Cassie, when is the park going to open? So if, you, if you're in Lubbock and you drive down the Marsha Sharp Freeway um, over by Milwaukee, actually, if you're on the Marsha Sharp, right across from Saltgrass Steakhouse, you'll see this big, right now it's purple building being constructed. It's not going to be purple. Um, and you may be wondering, what the heck is that? That's our park. That's Milestones Park. Uh, so we are currently under construction. We are hoping, fingers crossed, um, for no more supply delays and things like that. We are hoping to open the doors this spring, hopefully April or May. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That's right. We're all cr- everybody in the room's crossing our fingers. <laughs> right now. Everybody listening. Tell us about the park, the inside of the park, and what 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 makes it different. Amy, it's going to be magnificent. I mean, really. Well, if you did it, I, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> well, let me just go back again and say it's not just me. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to be the face for the project. Um, So here's my vision. Kids come into that park and they're wowed when they walk in and see that park. We wanted to bring the essence and feeling of an outdoor park inside. So when they come in the park, the walls will be muraled like a park scene. We'll have trees in there. Um, The flooring, we'll have specialty flooring that looks like grass and little pathway park lanterns in there. Um, We just really want to Bring the outside in. Everything but the wind. Every so we <laughs> you dirt. know what? The only the only wind in our park will be the breeze from the air conditioners overhead. Awesome. So yeah. So all the textures, all the feels for all those kids that maybe can't see mm-hmm. quite as well as some of the others. So what are you most excited to see once the park is open, Cassie? Your big dream has come to fruition. Your little idea is what you called it that has grown into this big dream. <laughs> so when you're walking through the park, when it's open, you're drinking your coffee, what what do you imagine you're going to see in here? What are, you, what are you picturing right now? You know what I would love? Inclusion. Okay. And what is that word even? What is inclusion? Um, when you think back to when we were in school, children who were in the special ed program, disabilities, you never saw them. I mean, I think they were on a completely different campus where I grew up. Now you walk down a hallway of any elementary, middle school, high school, and you've got kids with Down syndrome, autism, right there in the regular classroom with the other kids. That's really inclusion, bringing everybody together. And, um, you know, when, when my oldest daughter was in elementary, she had one of her little best friends had Down syndrome and, um, (laughs) <laughs> they would fight. The kids in the class would fight over who was going to get to push her down to the cafeteria at lunchtime. They would put her in a wheeled chair. She didn't have a wheelchair at that time, but it was like, you know, a teacher chair with wheels. They would actually fight over who was going to get to push her. It was like a treat. That's inclusion. You know, other kids wanting to help, wanting to be a part of something that makes someone else's day, their struggle, their being better. Um, so. When I walk through the park, I hope to see that. I hope to see typical kids playing alongside other kids who may be just a little bit different than them, you know, and, and everyone, everyone being appreciative and, and thoughtful of each other. Cassie, there are so many ways that you inspire me personally, and certainly the strength that you've shown through Bryce's diagnosis and the creativity and determination you show through your work with Allstrom Angels. I'm just wondering, what do you do to stay inspired? 
and to stay motivated? Oh my gosh. Well, what I do to stay motivated right now is that $400,000. <laughs> that is it, Amy. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, 400000 Oh, where? How, how much do I have in my wallet? <laughs> Let me count all the change. You're taking Bryce's $2 back I, after I you know, get done playing right? Monopoly. I like, give me those $2 back. I need it. Yeah. That, right now, that's what keeps me inspired um, is finishing, you know, bringing it to the finish um, so, so that it can be open for our community and people can come inside and play. So when this airs, Today is February 15th. So yesterday was Valentine's Day. People in Lubbock, probably in Amarillo too, are going to remember this Valentine's Day because we had 60 mile an hour sustained winds. Yes, we did. So even on days like yesterday, parents will be able to take their kids to the park. That's incredible. So you, I'm just curious, you have a front row seat to witness all that is Bryce Johnston. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you learned over the past 14 years from her in the way that she approaches life? Oh, well, maybe I should preface it by saying we're all just living in Bryce's world. She allows (laughs) us to come along for the ride. You know, of all the things that Alstrom takes from our kids, it leaves us with the best parts of them. They don't have any intellectual impairment. They are so intelligent, funny, smart, headstrong. And I love, I'm so thankful of everything Alstrom. I'm so thankful that I get to know my child like that. There are so many diseases and illnesses and disabilities where kids can't talk. You know, they, they don't really have any um, cognitive responses. Parents don't actually get to know their child. They may even be on a feeding tube. I mean, I'm so thankful that Alstrom has left us with the best parts of Bryce. And I think that's probably... You know, it doesn't matter what it is. For example, Bryce is 14. She really wants to drive. Really. (laughs) When she turns 16. And so I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Roll down the car window and put your blind cane out the side? And like, you know, (laughs) while you're driving? She really might. And she said, well, self-driving cars are coming. You know that, mom. I'm like, okay, well, there we go. I mean, Bryce wants to do the same thing every other 14-year-old wants to do. The same thing every other eighth grader wants to do. And she believes she can do it. She's just going to find a way to do it. It may look a little different, but dadgummit, she's going to do it. Jared, this girl, she's one of our favorites. We adore her um, at First United Bank. She is an eighth grade cheerleader. Tried out, made the squad two years, both Mm -hmm. in seventh and eighth grade. Wow. She is at every game. She does all the movements, all the dances. She is, I mean, in the big thick of it. And it doesn't phase her whatsoever. As I mean, it, it should doesn't, be. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, those girls love her. And I mean, she's just out there doing her thing. Mm, good. She, yeah, she's unbelievably brave girl. You know, I ask her sometimes. Um, she, <laughs> she did the talent show in elementary. And I asked her before one of the performances. I said, are you nervous, Bryce? She goes, no, I can't see anybody out there. I don't care. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so she like just does her thing. Yeah. Like she's rocking in her own world and doing what makes her happy. And we can all learn a thing or two from Absolutely. a little bit of Bryce Johnson. Yeah. So Cassie, we are so excited to sponsor the party room at Milestones Development and Play Park. So we are going to give one of our listeners a free birthday party on Yay! us. Yeah. To help celebrate the grand opening. So we'll have more information about how you can 
get registered yes. for that at the end of the episode. So maybe I need to give a little plug for those birthday parties. So um, in our feasibility study, we had always thought, oh, we need to have like a place where kids can have birthday parties. You know, when you have little kids, that is a big deal. Places are booked two months out. All the time. Yeah. We, we knew we wanted to have a party room. After doing our feasibility study, it was very clear that we needed to have at a minimum two because the demand and people wanted to have their kids parties there. So we will have two birthday rooms that you can host birthday parties, end of the season soccer parties, whatever you want to do that brings your group and your family together. You will be able to do that at Milestones and First United Bank is sponsoring one of those fabulous rooms. Thank you for that plug. <laughs> that it's going to be a great it room. It is going to be a great room. Tell us where can listeners find more information about Milestones? You can go to our website, milestonespark.org. Also, all of our social media, we have, we're on Instagram, Facebook. I think we're on Twitter. Luckily, we have someone who helps us with that because like... You sound like me. Brenda, do we have a Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) So um, you can find us on all the social media and we're constantly posting updates. Um, A little bit before we're able to open the doors to the community, we will open up the ability to book special events and parties. So be on the lookout for that. And by the time people are listening to this, hopefully that will be open and they can actually go online and start booking. That's so exciting, Cassie. Congratulations to you you. and your board and everybody that's helped you. Um, And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us on the Spirit of West Texas podcast and for sharing your big dream with our listeners. Thanks for having me. Yes, you're a visionary and we cannot wait to see what you'll do next. Oh my goodness, no pressure. No pressure. After talking, I really want to meet Bryce. Oh my gosh. She sounds like a doll. She's dynamite. I mean, she's dynamite. She is funny and caring and witty and just a a barrel of energy. She's brave. She's comfortable in her own skin. She's awesome. She's truly awesome. What a cool story. I mean, what a, yes. I know that's a, a range of emotions going through what she had to go through. Right. But the fact that she turned it into this Milestones Play Park, the, the fact that it, it wound up here, how, how cool. What, a, what a great story. I think it's just a testament to Cassie's heart. Yeah. Because, and she's, a, you know, she, Cassie to me, when I think about her, and I've known her for a long time, she is a fighter. Mm. Cassie is a fighter. She's an overcomer. Um, and she's just got it together. Mm. She just has it together. And to me, anything she touches really kind of turns to gold um, and somebody that I'm thankful to have in my corner. But it is so like her to, you know, take something like a play park with, you know, designed with children with special needs in mind. Sure. And yet to expand that into something that our kids um, Brady and Anna and Julian and Jude could enjoy. Yeah. Um, to want to do this for her community. That's been so good to her, honestly, and in her and Alstrom Angels over the years. Mm. Jared, did you know that we have a mailing list for the Spirit of West Texas podcast? I don't know that I didn't know we that. We do have a mailing list, yes. Um, Brenda, of course, because she takes care yeah. of everything. Yeah. Um, and she makes it happen. She has she's put together a mailing list. So if you're interested in keeping up with what we have going on on the Spirit of West Texas podcast, why not subscribe to our mailing list? Yeah. At spiritofwesttexaspodcast.com. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it too. Thank you, Jared. Thanks. It was fun. We'll catch you all next time.